Hello there, and welcome to this new episode of Leadership Conversations with Kemi Ogunkoya, your weekly supercharged transformational show for business leaders like you who are ready to build smart, visionary, and adaptive leadership skills to do their current job more effectively and seamlessly take on higher positions of leadership. On this show, we take you on a journey with inspiring, transformational, and authentic leaders with stories that inspire, principles that catalyze, and insights that will transform your life and business forever. And this is because we believe that the quality and effectiveness of leadership is what determines the fate of systems, businesses, and nations that die, survive, or thrive. Are you ready to dive in? Join the conversation and let the show begin. Hello, good evening, and welcome to Leadership Conversations with Kemi Ogunkoya. And today I have a very special guest. Her name is Mrs. Ini Abimbola, and she's someone I absolutely respect so much. And it's such a great honor and privilege to have her here with us today. Mrs. Ini Abimbola is a business leader with over 20 years working experience in the international development space with broad consulting experience. She is a management consultant and she's also a sustainability development expert. So, ma'am, thank you very much for joining us. It is such a great honor and privilege to have you. <laughs> thank you. Thank you, Kemi. Thank you for having me. Um, it's always a pleasure speaking with you, and, and I'm glad um, to do this with you. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. So I know there's a lot more to your awesomeness beyond, you know, the things that I have <laughs> mentioned in just about 20 seconds. So I'll let you start by telling us a little bit about yourself, and then we'll take it up from there. Okay, um, where do I begin? Um, <laughs> I'm a businesswoman. I like to refer to myself as a businesswoman. I see myself uh, more as a businesswoman and, and then, of course, a teacher um, because I'm also a lecturer. I lecture the MBA class um, on international CSR management, so international corporate social responsibility management. Um, at the University of Applied Sciences in Austria. Um, so I see myself as a businesswoman and as a teacher, and I like to teach, as it were. Um, been in business for a couple of years, um, started my own business 10 years ago, um, which is a consulting firm. But before then, I lived outside Nigeria for quite a while. Um, lived in Addis Ababa for more than 10 years, um, working with international development agencies. Um, came back to Nigeria to set up um, a Nigeria office for Defense for Children International um, about maybe 14, 15 years ago. Um, and then, you know, um, got an offer to run WIMBIS, Women in Management and Business, for another two years, um, try and help them restructure and structure the, the, the organization, which I did. And then I left then to start up my business, which was um, Theta Praxis Consulting, um, 10 years ago. And yeah, so I do quite a bit. Um, I teach, I 
I mentor businesses, um, not just persons, but businesses, um, some middle-level and large-scale businesses. So I mentor their top management um, executive or their C-suite, as it were. Um, I do quite a bit of business advisory as well within and outside the country. I sit on a number of boards, um, both um, international and local, and a number of NGOs as well that I uh, that are causes that I'm, I'm very passionate about. Wow, so that, would that be, is that such would a phenomenal. <laughs> that would be a little, I know, um, I know. <laughs> I know. Well, that is absolutely phenomenal. And, you know, um, mm. I have, have interacted with you and I also see how much you are invested in raising leaders, you know, and that is raising leaders beyond this generation, mm. really. And, absolutely. you know, we know how the business things can can mm -hmm. be, really, you know, the, so we, we pretty much live in what we call a VUCA world now. And, you know, I yeah. say that the requirements for leadership keeps changing you know by the mm -hmm. day pretty much mm -hmm. so be, being in that space of um sustainability which you are mm -hmm. an expert in that space um yeah. what would you say is or what would you say are some of the most important you know um qualities or characteristics that business leaders have to adopt at this time to ensure that their businesses are more sustainable mm. If I, I I have this conversation with a lot of business leaders, and so particularly when um, COVID struck, um, and I mean when when COVID struck, a lot of us were like, "Look, we're going to be out for a couple of weeks. Um, we we'll let this fly, and then you know, back to business." And by the second month, and getting to the third month, I think a lot of business leaders knew that this 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 was serious. Bottom lines were, were, were beginning to be hit. Um, there was no revenue for most businesses. Incomes practically um, slowed and then cut off. And then, so I, I, a number of businesses um, um, that I see as advisory um, consultants or as an advisor, um, I had a couple of meetings with um, the board and, of course, the top management. And... It was very clear. I mean, I am a straightforward, no nonsense um, businesswoman. I mean, we I deal with realities as much as the um, the, the the basic qualities of a leader um, are there. But when it comes to this, I like being very practical because it is either you swim or you sink, and and it it comes with the business decisions that you take. Um, so the first conversation I had with them was first to look at the numbers, and then we looked at the reality of the situation. Um, and 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 of course, um, my advice was um, to to begin to have the conversations with their with their staff, because it was it was very clear that um, certain decisions had to be taken that had to do with the overheads and the operational costs of businesses. Because if you're not making money, so let's say we started January, um, most businesses were open till maybe late February, most of March, most of April, and most of, of May, um, most businesses were out. 
So if you've been out for three months and you're paying salaries where there's no income, um, then there's a problem because it's going to affect your bottom line. Um, so you're going to go into your reservoir at some point. So I, I started to have that conversation around, look, you need to begin to have those clear up conversations uh, with your staff. And, and the conversation has to revolve around either reduce um, or so you re either reduce your staff or your overheads or you cut the salaries or, you know, or you totally, um, you, I mean, the conversations had to be had, those hard conversations. Um, so in a VUCA world, as we've seen, I mean, very volatile um, and it's changing, changing in, in such a way that it, it is almost as if, you know, we don't know what next is going to happen. Um, we've seen the economy go down practically in shambles. We've seen um, some sectors of the economy um, will take them a long time um, um, to get back on their feet. Um, take the airlines, for instance. I was reading a report today about even the airline, the airspace opening in Nigeria for the local flight. Um, they've had to. So the numbers are not as they used to be. People are not flying as much. So they still have to reduce the fares to be able to accommodate people. So, so, the, so, so some of the qualities that I think that any leader in this time have to, 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 to clearly define. So beyond just the leadership, so as a leader, you must have, yes, diverse background, which encompasses a broad spectrum of experience. Um, um, and, and so that, that breadth of experience is valuable. Um, but there must be some level of specialization in the work that you do. And that's what makes you um, an expert in, in the particular fields that, that, you, that you play. I would say another quality would be the ability to envision, the ability to envision what the next, um, the next season will be, if you will. Um, I like to also think about business as in seasons. So you also need to be able to envision what that season um, will be like, uh, um, or what the next season will be like, the next season of your business. And it's it's particularly it's 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 important, particularly when you look at um, what COVID has done to us. Um, COVID has ensured that businesses. Are... Can you hear me? Yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. Oh, okay. I okay. hear you so clearly. I, I I noticed the the the, the camera wasn't uh, moving, so I was I was concerned. Okay. Um, so I, so I talk about the ability to envision and then also the ability to lead change. Um, so those two things are together because then you look at, so taking COVID again, COVID has really proven quite a number of, um, of, 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 of theorems wrong, if you will, um, and has also tested, put a lot of uh, theories um, to test. Uh, as it were, so um, not just to envision. So you need to say, okay, so what do we do? Um, I see so many people having post-COVID conversations and webinars and all of that. None of us has lived through COVID before now. So um, whatever conversations we are having about post-COVID is just us trying to assume and to predict and to envision um, what the next uh, levels and, 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 and lives of our businesses is going to be. So, um, so again, Again, like I said, the ability to envision, the ability to, to lead change. And then, of course, 
um, it's very critical that you also have a business acumen. And um, when you have clear business acumen, that's one of the things that is also going to help how your business um, um, will, 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 will grow, um, if you will. So I, I will just leave it at that. Well, thank you very much. I, I think those are timeless uh, principles. And I always love your no-nonsense approach to business. <laughs> but you always keep it real and, you know, talk, talking about real strategies that people can start to adopt. So, um, yeah, so my next question, on the 17th of June, 2020, your organization, Trisil Practice, was 10. And something remarkable happened. I, I saw um, a broadcast <laughs> that you did where... <laughs> where you announced <laughs> that you were stepping down as CEO. And of a truth, <laughs> it, was, it was pretty much a shocker to me. Um, well, for, for quite a couple of reasons, right? We, we um, yeah, in as much as we have businesses that uh, operate on the global scene, you know, our businesses are resident here in Africa. And it's mm -hmm. not really something you get to see that, you know, a CEO who is hale and hearty, you know, is, <laughs> is, is you know, stepping down as CEO. It's, it's, it's really because I have worked with organizations where, you know, the CEO is obviously past the age of core, um, you know, productivity, for, for, for a lack of a better word to use, yeah. and yeah. still wants to hold on to running the business mm. what exactly was that about <laughs> and you know when you step down as as the ceo you know um what exactly were the thoughts you know that you had and what assurances did you have about stepping down <laughs> oh. <laughs> okay so since the 17th i have had to talk about this um, let me not exaggerate, more than 20, 25 times. Um, um, oh, so many people I can calling, imagine. Yeah, so many people calling and saying, is everything okay? Are you ill? Um, is there something you need to know um, type of thing? <laughs> Are you sure that everything is fine? Or um, did somebody buy over the company? Did the board push you out? Or so, all of that. And I'm like, wow, wow, wow. Wow. Um, I think from the very beginning. So one of the things that I'm grateful for is that as a person, I am, and, and I think that it's also one of the things that when I, when I teach and when I talk about leadership, um, I talk about clarity of vision. I talk about clarity of vision and learning agility. And this is very critical for every leader. And particularly for those of us that are founders of businesses, um, of enterprises, if you will. So the clarity of vision um, from day one, it, it's what helps you to situate how um, the business that you are, you are, you are founding, founding or starting or growing or where you find yourself um, to be. So even if you are not the founder of the business, um, a clarity of vision as a person in a leadership position is very critical 
for you to be able to groom successors and for you to be able to take that organization to a particular level. So for me, from day one, when I when I started practice, I was very clear in my mind the kind of business that I wanted. That shook you know, a lot of people at the beginning was when putting um, shareholders into the business. So I have 55% shareholders and I brought shareholders who took some shares in the business. And then that, that's fine. That's awesome. Um, in the in in the board charter that we had, so we put up a charter and a memorandum of understanding for the board. Um, was was one of the things that I said was I mean to put a limit on my my um, my financial um, spread um, as the CEO. Um, I think that was the first thing that shocked a lot of people, even the directors, um, was to see that as, a, as, as, as the CEO, I could not sign anything more than 10 million naira at, a given, at any given point in time. Anything beyond that had to go to the board for approval. And everybody was like, okay, is why you are the owner of the business, you should be able to do as you like. And I said, no, that I am creating a business that is not about me. Um, tensor practice or TPC should ne should not be about me, and I was very clear from that of that from the very beginning. So that was one of the first things. So I think for a number of people that had worked with me from the very beginning, it wasn't it wasn't all of a surprise to them when when I decided that you know what, after ten years of running a business, I sincerely believe in the clarity of my mind, in the clarity of my vision, that there is nothing so wonderful that I know. In as a learning person, consistently and constantly learning, um, um, I sincerely believe that someone else can bring a fresh perspective. I sincerely believe that another CEO will have an, a, some bright ideas around how the business should run. I, I sincerely believe that another CEO will have and some innovation around how we've done business over a period of time. So from day one, it was very clear in my mind. In fact, my plan was to step down year seven. And it was something that I shared with the board that after seven years, and I thought, you know, seven years, perfect number. If I've grown this business, and re remember, this is a service business. It is not a tangible um, um, product or service business that we offer. It's intangible. So it is very difficult to sell. Uh, what we sell is what I like to call a lot of English. We sell strategy. We sell um, change management. So it is difficult to sell. Um, I, 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 I say to my students that um, you have to convince um, a, a CEO of a business to pay you 20 million naira um, for you to create a strategy. Now, this strategy is an abstract. It's not, it's not tangible. You can't touch it. Mm. You're just hoping that this strategy is going to create some change that is going to have a return on investment in terms of Naira cover. So it's a difficult sell. So for me, in my mind, if I'm able to run this business profitably for seven years, then I would have done well. So, but in the seventh year, it was just not possible for me to step down. So I had to do some another three years. And I think those are the things that really drove that decision. That after 10 years, um, I don't know what bright ideas you're going to have. I mean, at your age, really, um, as as 
youthful as my mind may be, as innovative as I am, as consistently um, learning, a learning person as or a learner, as, as you will, if you will, um, I, I wasn't sure that there was anything else that I was bringing to the table that was totally out of this world. So um, I thought that stepping down and stepping back and allowing someone else to run. So I stepped down as CEO and sit on the board and still create the direction and, and the push that the organization needs, but also getting having someone else run the business. Wow, that, that 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 is absolutely phenomenal, and and you know it's it's um not not so much of a surprise to me that people would call you to to just know if everything is okay, really, because it's it's not something that we see a lot of here. So even on the, on the national level or the national scene, you see heads of yeah. states, you know, who want to still hold on to power, and it's pretty much the oh, idea absolutely. of you know, leading in perpetuity here. So um, my question from that is that how do we change this um, mindset of leadership in perpetuity? Um, is, it, is it that people are really afraid of letting go of the power or is it that they haven't groomed people enough to succeed them? Or, you know, is it just that they are afraid? I don't know, really, you know, I know it could be a combination of quite a couple of things, but then how do we change this perspective of leadership in perpetuity? You know, I think businesses it's the fear. And nations? I think it's fear. I think it's fear of the unknown. And, and, and don't get me wrong. Um, it's, it's even as, so it's, let's take ourselves as mothers. Um, and not all mothers are like that. So some are not that, you know, um, emotionally attached. Um, but I think it's, it's, so I see it as, a, as, 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 as the ownership um, dilemma. I like the ownership dilemma. And, and, and it's, it's, it's that in itself is a course that we take when we take, talk about sustainability um, of businesses and organizations. Um, the ownership dilemma is a big issue. So there's always this thing that it's mine. It's it's more like a possession. I started this thing. I had the vision. I I understand why I started this thing. And, and I only me, I am the only person that knows how to drive this thing because I had the vision. I am the one that had the vision. Now, my my, my what I say to people like that is um have not been able to sell that vision to someone else. Because it is only when you are able to sell that vision to someone else that you can readily be able to step back. So the fear of ownership, the ownership dilemma, the fear of losing out, the fear of the fact that someone else will not be able to see what you saw. But the issue is that whatever you saw 20 years ago when you started the business is not what is right now. Whatever you, your, 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 your vision was, because your vision um, for a business that will outlive you has to be dynamic. It has to consistently change. It has to be um, something that is evolving every single day. You know, it's, it's changing. And that's, that's, the, that's what makes it valuable. That's what makes it sustainable. Sustainability is not about how long, but how well and quality and value, the consistent provision of value is what sustainability is all about. 
Sustainability is not about how long. So let's take the Coca-Colas of this world that are 100 years and above. Um, Coca-Cola has evolved. So yes, the taste, the, 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 the uniqueness um, of Coca-Cola is the same, but Coca-Cola has had to go through a lot of changes. Coca-Cola has had to go through the changes of their bottles. Coca-Cola has had to go through um, the changes of their content in terms of um, being dynamic about what each continent wants. So if you drink Coca-Cola in North America, it is slightly lighter and less sweet than what you have in Africa. Um, in Africa, the content is a bit more it has a fuller taste, which makes it a bit more addictive. Um, so, so that's that's the innovation. Coca-Cola had to go through innovation of moving from bottles to um, pet, 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 plastic pet bottles to cans to, you know, um, they've moved from just having a single flavor to, to having Coke Zero, to having... So it's it, the dynamism about business is that you can't have the same vision you had when you started. You know, the, the, the uniqueness and the, the ability of the business to is the fact that that business um, is allowed to, to take on, you know, changes as the world changes. So it is difficult. It is difficult for a lot of people to accept that someone else can run with the vision that they, that they have. And I think that it, 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 that's always the problem why they want to be there in perpetuity. Now, for nations, it is more of greed and nothing else. It is more of greed and the immunity that comes with, trust me, that in the place of leadership, you can get away with a lot of things. Um, and then the beauty of having people run, running and falling beyond the big picture um, that truly want to remain in perpetuity. There's really nothing wonderful about your mind. Yeah, so, so um, that, that's really, really phenomenal, really. Um, just looking at it from the business so, so um, I, I think you have really driven it down. And I, and I love how you were point blank on the fact that when it has to do with uh, national levels, there's nothing short of greed, really. And <laughs> I, I absolutely agree with <laughs> absolutely agree with that. Now, you've been on a phenomenal journey, way over 20 years experience, rich experience, if I, if I you know, way over 20 years of rich um, experience all around in life, really. And um, as a leader in all spheres of life, I would like you to share with us what your most important lesson, you know, what your most important leadership lesson has been through this journey. I know there are a lot of them, <laughs> you know, but some of the ones that really stand out for you that have shaped you to be this person that you are, you know, this leader that you are, who is able to, also produce other leaders uh, because I, I know that um, I think it's John Maxwell that says this that it's not about uh, when it comes to leadership it's not about creating more followers it is about producing more leaders right so what, what would you say are some of those key lessons that have shaped you and have transformed you through this journey of leadership Okay, I think that, I mean, the qualities of a leader, um, 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 someone asked me, are leaders born or they're made? And I always like to say that um, they're made in the ring, they're made um, in the fire, 
Um, because it's okay to be say, look, I'm a leader. I hold a leadership position in my office. Um, I'm the team lead. I'm the whatever. I mean, it's easy. Um, but leadership that is successful, a successful leadership um, is made through the fire. So it's it's an experience building thing. And, and it also has to do with who you are as a person. So some of the lessons I've learned will be that um, the best of leaders are empathetic leaders. Um, you have to be empathetic. You have to you have to be that person that loves people and wants to see people grow. Um, empathy is what will make people gravitate towards you and want to work with you. Um, I say to a lot of people that I had people that stayed with me um, from the very beginning of face practice and are still in face practice 10 years after. Um, and that's not because they don't have where else to go, but it's also like, look, we, we have a very collegial and very family type um, kind of business. But even, even with my no-nonsense, um, 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 no BS kind of leadership, but I think that empathy as a leader is what will, will keep people with you. And then, of course, a leader that is an, an, another thing that I say that I've learned would be that um, you don't know everything. You don't know everything as a leader. Um, you can be the, 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 the one who gives the directions, the one who guides the processes, but you don't know everything. So the ability to have an open mind, the, the, the mind, the constant mind of learning. I say to leaders when I talk to leaders, um, have you heard what the janitor the, the, the has to say? This I'm like the janitor, he doesn't understand the fire. I said, but have you asked them if it's been in this company, they sometimes have more information, street information that you don't have. Um, and we see this a lot in leadership, in, in leadership, even in national leadership. So some leaders are totally caught up from the realities. And whether you like it or not, there's a level that you get to that you're caught up from reality. Um, you don't know what is happening on the streets. And when I mean streets, I mean the streets of your company, the streets of your business. Um, you truly don't know. So you need to be open to learning. So not just learning the book learning, but also learning what is happening around you. So that's also another lesson that I have learned. Another thing that I've also learned is that you must have the ability to delegate. Delegation is tough. So if you are somebody like me that is um, that that pays attention to details, um, I, I I I I have a problem. I, I call it a problem, but it's actually um, so going through it. One of my professors said it is actually very few human beings that have that. I have what is called low latent inhibition. Now, low latent inhibition means that um, my mind absorbs stimuli that is, it's practically like a sponge. So when you speak to me um, and we're having a conversation, I have gotten to the end of that conversation um, before we even start because my mind breaks down that information in bits and millions and millions of pieces. I look at it in different perspective. I see the perspective that you won't see. I, I understand it in different ways. But I have also learned that in that is the tendency for me not to, not to um, allow people to express themselves. So because of that, sometimes in the early stages of my leadership journey, it was difficult to delegate and not micromanage. 
So you find a lot of people that pay attention to details tend to micromanage because you are like, look, you're not going to get this thing right. You're not going to do it the way I want to do it. So I used to have a problem. I, I, I write with a, a, a green pen. And so when, 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 my, when my team members or my staff um, do documents, and by the time I, I start reading the documents, you cannot, you don't see the documents. All you see is green pen, green pen, green pen. <laughs> so the question it gives to people is that they don't know what they are doing. So what happens is that people will now fall back and say, okay, let me just do it because she will still do what she wants to do type of thing. So I had to learn. True. True. I could actually, instead of using my green pen, sit them down and say, you know what? I've read through, I think there are a lot of grammatical errors. I think there are sin sentence syntaxes that are not right. I think that this is the mind that I want us to communicate to this client. Um, this is the direction that I want this document to go and let them go and do it. So you delegate, you get them to learn, to do it well, even if they have to do it over and over again, it helps them to learn. So that's one of the things that I learned, that it is easy to, as much as it's good to pay attention to details, it's also easy to micromanage, and, and that's a problem. So you need to learn how to, to do that better. Uh, yeah, quite a number of other lessons, but I think I'll just leave this to you. Thank you. Thank you very much. Uh, that, that, that's, that's really profound um, because on the journey to becoming a better leader, a lot of times people are looking at leadership from the lens of other people, right? Um, so they're looking at it as it has to concern those that lead that they are leading and those that they um, have on their team. And you know, I always say that leadership begins with self, which means that you have to keep improving. You need to know what your own shortcomings are as a leader. You need to be aware of your strengths. You have to be aware of your weaknesses you know or your growth areas you need to know what your traits um you know you need to know what your triggers are you know you need to know what your interests are you need to know what your blind spots are which only comes to you through feedback so i think it's really um, amazing that you know um as leaders we're also building ourselves you know we see ourselves as a work in progress you know, so which means that um, leadership truly doesn't have, you know, the leadership itself is a continuum. Absolutely. Okay, so, so I have a book um, that that I'm launching next month, and it's called the Leadership Guardian. And one of the key points in that book uh, that I talk mm -hmm. about extensively is that leadership itself is a continuum, which means that it never has an end. You know, it's, it's progressive in nature, which means that you learn one thing, you know, the requirement for unlocking the next level means that you have to learn more. You have to invest, mm -hmm. you know, in knowledge, mm -hmm. you have to invest in skills, you have to invest That's in, cool. you know, um, new behavior, really pretty much learning from others, sharing mm -hmm. and being in that state where you are flexible. So um, mm -hmm. it's really great insights that you have shared with us today, mm -hmm. timeless principles, and mm -hmm. you know, just listening to your your experiences and the things that you do and how you do it really um, spurs other people in that leadership space to keep doing more. Spurs mm -hmm. me 
particularly to also keep being more and you know viewing leadership from a different and total um you know perspective now ma'am we have learned quite a lot from you and before we let you go there are quite a couple of things we also want to know right and one of those is um one of your favorite leadership quotes i, I know you have so many quotes you know i see you write a lot you are a great content you know creator um so i'd, I'd like you to share one of your favorite leadership quotes it could be um from you or it could be one that you just <laughs> um I don't I don't do quotes a lot. Um, I like to okay. and um and um take the lessons that, that I that I um I, I require from there. But one particularly um, um and, and I can't remember who said it, um, but it was it's from one of the books that I, I hold very dear um to my heart. And it's called The Art of War by Sun Tzu. Um, I, I, I say to people that my leadership journey, and, and one of the things that, um, that has helped me as a leader um, has been lessons from the art of war. And, and, and so if you are able to read that book, then there's something that it says. And, and, and there are quite a number of them. But there's one particular one that it talks about, and I can't, I'm just going to paraphrase. Um, I can't remind, remember exactly, except I look for it um, okay. and, and, and send it to you. Um, but it talks about um, being prepared. It talks about being prepared for the battle. Be prepared for the battle never okay. announces itself. And what that says to me is that um, as you grow in the leadership journey, um, you must have a wide range of understanding. You cannot be boxed up in your knowledge. Um, so people find it very intriguing um, when a conversation comes up on any topic at all, I, I always have something to say and something, well, thankfully, something sensible um, to say. And they're like, oh, wow, um, are you in that field or not? And I'm like, no, I'm not in that field. But the first thing is that I'm a businesswoman and I never say no to, to, to my clients. So my clients can decide to come up with some highfalutin ideas that I have no idea about. And I say to them, you know what? I, I, I have the basic understanding of what you're talking about. Um, give me a few days and I'm going to come up with something. So I, for me, that quote remi re always reminds me to say, you need to be prepared. The battle does not announce itself. So when you talk about battle, and I don't mean the ones that we do on social media, I will fight you, I will show you. No, that's <laughs> We are talking about the real battle never announces itself it creeps on you but are you prepared so for a business leader um the opportunities 
sometimes never announce themselves. But are you prepared? Um, um, I, I say to, to, to young people that um, in, my, in my leadership journey, I've had to um, learn how to pick up phone calls at 3 a.m. And it's a business call. Or it's my boss saying to me, I'm sorry to disturb your sleep, but I need you to have this in mind that as soon as you wake up, A, B, C, and D needs to be delivered. Now, many what, some of the things I read on social media these days is that, you know, you have to have a life, life balance. I mean, what do they call that thing? Work-life balance. I don't believe in work-life balance because I don't know what work-life balance is. I think that it's one of the ways to one of your <laughs> Oh, no, I don't believe in it because I sincerely believe that. And, and, that's, and when I speak to women leaders, I get very passionate about this because I think that when we talk about the reasons why, we have less and less women leaders in the C-suite. It is simply because we like to we like to embrace all of these um, buzzwords that actually have no meaning. You know, oh, work-life balance. What does work-life balance mean? Work-life integration is what you should be talking about because we integrate our lives. So before having this call with you, which I, in mind, scheduled as a work work schedule, um, I was in the kitchen, you know, um, trying to cook up um, dinner. Um, and then I timed, I had a timer on my phone that said, look, you need to go upstairs and change and, you know, just get ready. So I came outside and I'm like, oh God, it's going to take me like um, five, seven minutes to put makeup on. I said, you know what? She's going to like my face without makeup. Um, so being able to integrate our lives is what we should be looking at. Because when we begin to seek work-life balance, there are going to be times when we are going to have to drop the ball. And then by the time we come back, to, to that career, the career has moved on. I was reading somewhere when someone said, um, um, one of her clients was saying to her, by the time she came back from, from maternity leave, the office, the company had moved on. And she's like, she felt so bad that she, it's not as if she died. She only went to have a child. But darling, when you were in on maternity leave, what happened? Your phones were there. You keep in touch. You stay on top of issues. You understand what the business is doing at any given point in time. You make sure that you have your pause on whatever it is that is going on. So for me, that quote is consistently in my mind. Be prepared. The battle never announces itself. And that goes for opportunities. That goes for, for our preparedness in terms of our intellectual being. That goes for um, preparedness in terms of being able to pick up opportunities and run with it. That goes for the ability to be able to talk on any subject matter that is presented to you. This is what men do. And as, and as young or, or middle-aged or senior female leaders, if you look at successful business leaders that are women they they have not tried to be like men they've only known how to use their femininity to work for them and 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 for me i always say to 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 my mentees and to my proteges that if you want to be successful then you must be battle ready at any given point in time that that is that that, that is deep but i um, knowing you, I know you don't you don't drop it any any other way, but you know straight <laughs> to the point and and deep. So because before the interview, you know, um, I went online and just 
pretty much did some research. And then I saw that interview you had with the Punch newspaper where you said, you do not believe in anything like work-life balance because it doesn't exist. And that interpreted a lot of problems. <laughs> I had women fighting, they were over the place, right? What right. do you mean? <laughs> I had to explain it. And I think a lot of them came to the realization because what you currently do is not work-life balance. Work-life balance means that when you're home, you don't do anything that has to relate to your work. And that's what happens when a lot of women go on maternity leave or take time off work. And by the time they come back, they wonder why they can't fit into the organization anymore. So because you think that, you know, when you're home, it should be, you know, 50% home. And when I'm at work, yeah. No, no, no. We already integrate. So I say to women and I break it down to things as simple as, you are in the office and you call your nanny. Um, it's already three o'clock um, or it's two o'clock. Um, this child is going to come back from school. Make sure their lunch is ready. Um, remember to give them a bath um, before their lesson, blah, blah, blah. And then you say, oh, and remember to bring out the stew or the tomatoes so when I get back, I can make jollof rice and something. You have just done integration. You are integrating your personal life into your workspace. Mm. You are calling the woman that buys you meat. Um, Mama, Seba, make sure you deliver the meat today. And when you get home, make sure that you tell my guard to give them to put in the freezer. That's integration. You yeah. are calling in. So then we never used to have Zoom meetings. So you couldn't even Zoom into your PTA. But you could take your lunch time and then drive for the PTA meeting and come back to work. That's integration. And that's what it ought to be. So you integrate it. So you don't, you are not stressed about, oh, when I'm home, I need to be 100% with my children. I need, no, you're already integrating it. And you just find that window of being able to ensure that you have time for your family um, and all of that. But completely wanting to go, to, you know, close out work or close out the family, it doesn't exist. And I think that that's the mistake that a lot of us um, uh, absolutely. Um, the whole the whole balance fiasco is is a big illusion, really, because when you it try is. to actively to, to to actively seek that balance, you just find that it really never happens. You know, it doesn't even happen. No, never. Um, and then so you get until, so yeah, you get so stressed, and then you see that's where absolutely. the that's where a lot of women feel guilty. So you'll find a lot of women say, I, I want to stop work. I, I had a staff that had a baby, a little baby, and she had another son. And after a while, she couldn't get a good nanny. And she's like, she wants to stop work. Now, this is a lady that I had said, you know what? Um, you can bring the children to the office. Um, we'll keep them where the, 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 the office um, assistants you know, is and the office assistant after doing the work just really stays with the children and practically was like our office nanny. And um, we created a space for, for, for the children. But in her mind, she was she was not being a good mother. Um, she was failing. Um, so she, took, she decided she was going to stop work. And I tried. I tried everything. I tried even, I said to her, okay, can I call some of my friends to get you a nanny? Because 
I, for me, what was ringing in my head was, you, you are young, you are at the beginning of your career, don't do this to your career. Um, but, but they don't see it. A lot of women don't see it. And it comes from this idea of, um, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not balancing. So I need to do that work-life balance. I'm, 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 you know, the guilt. I'm not there for my children. Oh, my children are growing. I need to be there for them. I've raised young adults and I walked all through and was still, I worked in a bank. And I think that, I mean, with, with what I see now, I think I raised a very um, ethical, um, balanced and kind children. So, and that's what we want. Children that, are, that, are, that, are, that, that understand ethics, that are good people and can be global citizens. That's what we want. Um, so I think that is a conversation that we need to have. I enjoy having those conversations with women around the ability to think very critically around, uh, around what they're doing with themselves. Um, because we are finding a lot of women very frustrated. Um, you go and start a business, the what you were trying to run away from is still what you end up with. And then at the end of the day, you're still very unhappy. Um, you, you, and, and you find them wanting to blame the husband to say, oh, I left my job because of the children. As if the man asked you to leave your job. I'm, I'm sorry, I can be that blunt. Um, no, you chose to leave your job because it could have been managed any other way. You have to be able to create that, that, that environment for yourself. You know, take as much help as you can um, and pay for the help if you have to pay for that help to give yourself some level of sanity and, and growth in your career because you also have to find what fulfills you. So if staying with your children gives you the fulfillment, please, please, all well and good because where we all find fulfillment is different. Um, yeah. True. 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 Thank you very much for, for sharing that. Um, I'm sure our listeners are taking notes, you know, and um, like we always do on this show, it's about having this kind of conversations that actually inspire, you know, that um, catalyze and help to transform uh, the minds of adults, the minds of le leaders, and, you know, pretty much help us shape our minds and help people become better people. Now, in all of your very, you know, busy schedule, how do you unwind? How do you find, how, 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 how do you find, you know, that time to unwind and what do you do to unwind? <laughs> unwind. <laughs> um, I'm a homebody. Um, I'm your typical couch potato. A lot of people don't always believe. I am the I'm the person that can be at home for Monday to Sunday and not see my front door and not feel like I'm missing anything. Um, I stay in my house sometimes four days and I don't go down the stairs. Um, I'm just upstairs here. Um, so that's how I unwind. Um, I, I have suffered insomnia um, and that comes from the mind that never shuts down. My mind never shuts down. I had to learn to manage it so that you know it didn't become a health issue, but I, I struggled with it a couple of years ago. Um, so I've learned how to you know calm the mind down a bit um, so that I can sleep. So I wind down by sleeping um, or by um, watching cartoon with... Uh, um, my, my, my little boss, I have a four-year-old, 
um, <laughs> or, and, or I color. So I do a lot of adult coloring. And the adult coloring I have found to be one of the most amazing things that has happened in my life in the past 10 years. So I started, um, my youngest, wow. my youngest daughter before this four-year-old who is um, 24, um, actually, you know, she's, um, she's a counselor um, in Canada okay. and she, she recommended that um, adult coloring. So I get this adult coloring books and my, so you all see me with my, with my small uh, wallet that has my coloring book and my color pencils uh, and a bag of tea. So I'm a tea addict. I, I collect tea and I love tea. Um, I, I collect wow. all sorts of tea. Um, so that's, that's my own way of distressing and, um, yeah, and just totally. So now I'm, I'm like a retiree, if you know what I mean. So, so, <laughs> um, <laughs> so I'm trying to enjoy that. Um, um, but then it's not as if I'm not doing anything. I mean, it's even busier for me now because, um, my students are all online. I have to, to yeah. mark papers. I have to read through all sorts of essays and work and uh, I still do my business advisory um, here and there so just trying to really you know if you know what I mean yeah. just take it easy <laughs> one day. it is absolutely necessary it's absolutely necessary and th thank you for um, you know coming on the show today thank you for sharing from the depth of your um you know, insights with us. There's been so much of learning. There's been so much of experiences that you have shared. And, you know, I absolutely do not take it for granted that you are with us on this show. And um, it's always our practice on this show to ask you a redo before you go. And I have your redo ready for you. Please don't let me fail. <laughs> okay <laughs> i will try i'll try okay so the reading is this what fruit is always sad hmm? what fruit is always sad wow <laughs> at this point i need maybe i'm here <laughs> Sad, yes. Pineapple? Uh, no. Oh, Any hints? <laughs> okay. Um, it starts with a color. It starts with a color. Blackberry. <laughs> no, you're very close. Ah, ah. Another color. Blueberry. <laughs> Blueberry, yeah. <laughs> really? Oh my god. Oh my yeah. god. Really? I have to look at this. I only have to look at every morning. So I've never every seen morning. That <laughs> <laughs> so the, the taste oh yes okay so it's always like yeah okay yeah blueberries um blueberries. So I have to be cool. i'm trying to cut out my sugar okay. 
so it really helps to regulate my 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 I I mean I sweet 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 my husband and I we have terrible sweet tooth um and so I use it in place of honey or anything else and yes it has a okay. slight taste but um wow I'm going to look at it I I thought to do that Thank you. I learned something. I learned something. Yeah. <laughs> we learned, we learned a lot from you. Yeah. Thank you very much, ma'am, for coming Thank on the show. We look Thank forward you. to having you soon again. And, um, you know, cheers to all your uh, grand and numerous endeavors. <laughs> we, we wish you the very best, ma'am. Thank you. Thank you very much for having me. You have been listening to Leadership Conversations with Kemi Ogunkoya. Now, it is work o'clock. Always remember that insights without action is useless. And just before you go, if you are a high-performing executive or forward-thinking professional or you are an innovative entrepreneur who would like to build smart, visionary, and adaptive leadership skills to do your current job more effectively and seamlessly take on higher positions of leadership, then you should by all means request an introductory session with me at www.relliesworks.com. And together with my team, we will be happy to work with you, your team, or your organization. Also, if you have enjoyed this episode, do me a quick one. Go to relliesworks.com forward slash podcast to leave a public review and share the link to this episode with others till i see you again next week keep the conversation alive